welcome to So What You're Saying Is. I'm Peter Whittle. Now, my guest today is someone that I know well because I've worked beside him for the past four years. David Curtin, uh, Assembly Member, London Assembly Member, and also leader of the newly launched Heritage Party. He's with me today. I'm delighted he's here. Thanks for coming, David. Really nice to be here. I hope <laughs> yeah. you're not going to give me too hard a grilling no. like you do to Sadiq Khan. I promise. <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, it's, it's slightly surreal, isn't it? But um, I just want to start, actually, uh, being quite sort of up to the minute. We both go to this thing called Mayor's Question Time. And uh, the last one, which was last week, you asked the mayor, you stumped the mayor quite good mm. and proper. Can you explain what happened? Actually? Yeah, well, I, I've been to some of these freedom rallies which yeah. have been going on in Trafalgar Square because there's a lot of people who are against the COVID restrictions. So that's what they're about. But there's been so many protests over the last few months in London. So I was asking the mayor about this because there have been very, very different policing strategies at different protests. So you've seen Black Lives Matter protests, Extinction Rebellion protests, where the police have seemed to be taking a softly, softly approach. But when there was the freedom rallies, uh, you had columns of riot police going in, breaking up the crowd, trying to close them down. And they were absolutely peaceful. And I wouldn't be have believed it if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, the it's police so acting in that way yeah. against the crowd. So yeah. I needed to ask the mayor about yeah. this and to see why this was happening, because there are things happening with policing in London which I think really should not be happening and that have been very, very shocking to a lot of people. But what, what was the response? He didn't have an answer. He really didn't have much of an answer at all. Um, he said something at the beginning about gold commanders and silver commanders and so on. But uh, I asked him about his tweets because he put out a tweet during the Freedom Rally on the 26th of September when I was there saying, uh, this is unacceptable, everyone needs to go home. Mm. But he put out another tweet about the BLM rally on the 6th of June saying, I stand with you and I share your pain. Mm. So very, very different messaging mm. from the mayor about two different rallies. And uh, he again, he didn't have a good answer. And then I asked him later on about last weekend, there were two Muslim rallies for Ashura and Arba'in, where there were 3,000 Shia Muslims gathered in Marble Arch, both on Saturday and Sunday, and went marching uh, off from there. Uh, so if the mayor was consistent and he's saying, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't want this freedom rally to take place, surely he would have also said, I don't want these uh, rallies for Arba'in and, yeah. and Ashura taking place as well. But again, he didn't have a good answer. And he said to me, well, this, this is ridiculous that you're asking these questions. But I don't think it's ridiculous at all because he's the mayor. Yeah. He's the police and crime commissioner. So he should have a handle on what's going on in London, particularly the big events that are going on. So this is something that's very, very concerning, that we've got inconsistency in the policing. And you've got the mayor saying something. Um, but then what he's saying is completely inconsistent. So nobody really knows what the situation is, what you can do and what you can't do, what the police will give a, a green light to and what the police will give a red light to. And so you can't live in London like that. But the thing is, is that it seems to it seems glaringly obvious to mm. me now, and it must do to the public looking in, say, well, actually, some are getting preferred treatment. Mm. Simple as that, surely? Exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen that all the way through with... Mm. Uh, if you've got a cause, it seems like those causes that the mayor supports, um, Black Lives Matter, for example, because he's all over this with the critical race theory and so on. Um, 
it seems that the police are going to go softly, softly. But then if you are protesting against something that the mayor doesn't like, uh, then the police are going to go in hard, with the, with the riot police even. Um, so we've got political policing, uh, and that's a very, very dangerous thing. That's terrible. You, you, you spoke at, as you say, at one of the rallies, or more than mm. one? I or? spoke at one of the rallies. Mm. I spoke at the one on the 19th mm. of September, uh, which was the, th the second of three in Trafalgar Square. Mm. And, and, and I gave a speech there. I was, my point was basically that the lockdown measures have been so destructive to civil liberties, mm. they've been destructive to businesses, particularly small businesses and pubs and theatres and nightclubs, mm. music venues, and they've also been very destructive to mental health, mm. and, as well as um, the, the awful situation of do not resuscitate orders being given uh, in this? care Explain. homes. Well, in some of the care homes you, you have um, these do not resuscitate orders are given to some elderly people. They, they, you know, they, they put a, f a form in front of uh, an elderly person. They might not know what it is. They say, sign this. And it's an order that says, it's a piece of paper that basically says, if you get COVID, if you uh, get severe symptoms, uh, do not resuscitate. So basically leave them to die if they actually um, find themselves in, in a situation where they're intensive care on an incubator. Um, you know, just... Uh, leave them leave them to die if, if there is that situation where the NHS is overwhelmed and you know I think that's an appalling way to treat older people in care homes but you know this there's reports of this going on all over the country but this is uh oh that but you see it's not really does that get through to the mainstream media no I think the mainstream media are pushing a narrative and they seem to be completely behind this these lockdown measures and mm. they are over-egging this so much. I mean, they're, they're using so much hyperbole about this. I mean, there's, there are more positive tests, but they're conflating positive tests with cases. So mm. there are not cases with symptoms you know, in as high a number, anywhere near as high a numbers as the positive tests. Mm. Uh, you, we can see clearly from the, the maths and the statistics that... Um, this is no more serious than a bad flu season. Yes, it is serious, but there are a lot of people who are getting ill, tens of thousands, but it's not hundreds of thousands, it's not millions, no. it's not the Black Death. And so all of these measures are completely unnecessary. I think we should be treating it as we would treat a flu season. So yes, you need to uh, make sure you look after people who will be susceptible to it, but not have all of these very, very draconian restrictions on... on um, individuals and businesses and I think the media is is completely against anyone who says that yeah they're, they're pushing they're, they're ramping up fear mm -hmm. and um, there's a lot of lies I would say I would use language as strong as this that there are lies being told about the the figures and the numbers which are going on because they're presenting uh, data in a certain way which is not accurate and you know, I think a lot of people in politics and the, the mainstream media have a very, very poor understanding of science and maths. That's part of it. And so they just, you know, someone tells them something and they repeat it and parrot it. But, you know, if you can look into it, you can really see that this is way, way overblown and it's so destructive and unnecessary.
Because you, I should say, you are a scientist, actually. Aren't you? Yeah, I have a, d a degree in chemistry mm. uh, and a master's degree in chemistry as well. I was a chemistry teacher for 20 years or mm. so, so I've got a strong science background. So yeah, yeah. The, uh, the other day someone tweeted at me, you're not a scientist, so shut up. And I said, <laughs> yes, I am, and I'll say what I want. So, <laughs> and they, they, they didn't have a response to that. But if this is the case, you know, you say the media are putting the frighteners on people, mm. but then there's a hugely overblown reaction. Mm. What, why, why do you think? I think there's a lot of different levels to this. I, mean, I, I think there are some people who are going to make a lot of money out of this, you know, particularly people who've got investments in vaccine companies, because mm -hmm. look at how many doses of vaccines the government has already ordered, 200 million or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know what the price of those are, but you know, if, even if they're £10 a dose, that's £2 billion yeah, which yeah. have gone into big pharma. So some people are making a lot of money. Um, if small businesses close down, then that gives extra market share for big businesses to come in and take over when things eventually open up again. But I think there are some people who would like to put in some kind of control net. You know, I mean, you, you see this already in the pubs. When you go into a pub, you have to. Um, you know, they, they they like you to tap your phone in yeah, and get this yeah. track and trace app, so then the the government can see where you are at all times and so on and uh, you know they're talking about a new normal now i mean at the beginning people said this is something that they're going to bring in the new normal the great reset and they were called conspiracy theorists but now it's out in the open you've got yeah. the world economic forum talking about a great reset and uh, bringing in certain technology um which we haven't had before um to go with this so you know for, for example you know you, you have to book in to go to a pub or something mm -hmm. um so we will lose freedom um governments like to take away freedom but they don't give it back very very easily and no. you know we, we had two weeks to save the nhs in march and here we are 29 weeks later and uh, they're taking more and more and more freedoms and civil liberties away from us when they started this in march you know mm. right the, uh, I think it was March 23rd, wasn't it, when the lockdown mm -hmm. thing. Apparently, uh, there is the view that there was this weekend where the government were f effectively going the right way to begin with, mm. and then they utterly panicked and went the wrong way. Do you think that they were going the right way originally? I think originally they were yeah. at the beginning of March because you had the... The, the, um, the chief medical and scientific officers, they were up there and they were talking about herd immunity. And we have seen a couple of countries that have gone down that route, particularly Sweden is well known for that. They haven't been any worse off than we have in this country in terms of statistics and epidemiology or any other country that's introduced a harsh lockdown like Italy or Spain or Belgium. So, so you can see clearly now different countries that have followed different paths. There's been very, very little difference in how the course of the virus and the epidemic has gone. So I think that now time has shown, now we've got six or seven months of real data that actually shows that going down the path of herd immunity yeah. would have been the right path to take. Mm -hmm. What they've got to do now is just step back and say, look, we were wrong. Okay, let's now go down the, the Swedish route and do that. But it doesn't look like anyone in this country is going to do that. It, it seems to be uh, sort of like a land of confusion. I mean, mm. I it is hard to actually keep up with what you can and cannot do. Mm. But on top of that, there is a, 
<clears throat> I feel what really affects me is this real surreal quality and atmosphere mm. now, you know, and you talked about mental health. Mm. And I think that that has a very deleterious effect on people, mm. doesn't it? I mean, mm. you know, just I'm in London most of the time. Mm. And it's still like a ghost town, isn't it? Oh, it's awful. I mean, you, you just think, well, what on earth is going on yeah. here? I mean, L London is mm. is dead. Central London, particularly, and you know, things, that life, how it was. You, you just expect London to be a place mm. that's full of life and full of joy and mm. uh, full of the excitement and interest, where you can go and see your friends yeah. and so on. Uh, and it's not like that anymore. It's not just London, it's everywhere in the country and yeah. you know other countries as well. Um, but yeah, w the, the measures that they're bringing in now here in London yeah. and other places, um, you know, Lancashire, Essex and so on, where you can't go and see friends from a different house, not even in a pub or a, a restaurant, mm. are gonna be appalling for mental health. Mm. I mean, what do they expect us to do? Just stay in our homes? On our own, and you know, have Zoom conversations with everyone all the time. I mean, this is not normal living. Mm. I mean, this is the new normal mm. that they're talking about, which is, uh, you know, it's a dystopian nightmare. Yeah. And uh, we, we yeah. need to, yeah. we need to stand up and say we're not having it. Mm. You know, basically. Uh, you, it's one of these things, isn't it? Where you know, you, I don't really come across anyone who is like really gung ho for all these measures. Mm. But when you look at the polls. They all seem to say 63% of people behind mm. government, 40% think the government aren't doing enough. Um, and yet, you know, I sort of think to myself, well, maybe this was what it was a bit like to be a Remainer. I, mm. You know, in the sense that the only people that you ever sort of saw and spoke to would have been fellow Remainers. So mm. who are these Brexiteers? Do you think that's the right analysis or not? I, I do. I, I don't know who's doing these polls, to be honest, but they really don't seem right to me. Yeah, but we, yeah. we we know from the last four or five years that there's been so many polls that have just been wrong. Mm. Like you mentioned Brexit. I mean, mm. right up to Brexit Day, polls were saying Remain's going to win. Um, mm. We decided and voted to come out of the EU. Mm. Again, in 2016, the polls were saying Hillary Clinton's going to win. On mm. the night, she had a 98% probability yeah, yeah, of winning, yeah, yeah. and Trump won. Um, in the elections we We've had in 2017, 2019, the polls were wrong again. Mm. Um, so I think sometimes these polls are being used as a tool of propaganda, to be yeah, honest, yeah. Um, because you know most people I know and talk to really really against these um, lockdown measures yeah. they're really concerned about the effect it's having particularly on businesses mm. and the economy because if you don't have a good economy then no one's going to have any <laughs> any money no one's going to be paying any taxes and that's going to in the long run feed into health care as of well course. so you're not going to save health care you're going to destroy it yeah. Um, yeah. so it's almost like burning down the village to save it which yeah. is this is what's happening yeah. and, and it's absolutely balmy but, I mean, we're both at City Hall. As you mentioned, we've been at City Hall since 2016, and uh, we now have something called the Brexit Alliance, right? Mm. Um, but uh, we're both actually technically independents, aren't mm. we? Though? Yes. Uh, really, sometimes it seems that City Hall is the mothership of this whole thing, doesn't it? I mean, what, when you say, what is your, I mean, you know, you, obviously you've been there for four years, I've been there for four years, then they're, they're now, uh, we've been, as it were, superannuated, haven't mm, we, because mm. they postponed the election. What's your view of the place? It's like walking through treacle when you go in there. Yeah, it's, yeah. It is like politically correct central. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, 
it's a joyless place, honestly. I mean, it's all nice and shiny, and people are yeah. superficially nice to you. Do you know the, the people I get on most, the people I really do like, are the security guards. Yeah, they're, yeah, because yeah, yeah. they're real, genuine people. <laughs> you know, and they talk to us, yeah, and they kind of yeah. think like normal working people. It's, that says a lot, doesn't it? You get on with the security guards, but you find, you know, that sort of um, political staff mm. and people there are just yeah, absolutely joyless, and they they all think in the same way i mean they bang on about diversity diversity of skin color diversity of this and that but they all think in exactly the same way mm. which is politically correct and woke and you know they, they talk about intersectionality and social justice and all of these things and they're very very down on britain you know mm. britain's a wonderful country where mm. everyone can get on you know there's mm. opportunity for all but you have this dour kind of um uh, mindset there that they think that, that britain is an awful place to be and they they systemically racist and transphobic and homophobic and misogynistic and islamophobic and xenophobic and every other phobia you can like mm. and it needs to be burned down and uh, and built up mm. again as something else mm. I mean, this is the kind of mindset that pervades yeah. the people in city hall and we go in i mean our little office area it's kind of an oasis of, yes. of fun you know, well not anymore because no, everything's right. everything's remote now isn't it but yeah. uh you know i mean no i i i, I couldn't couldn't agree with you more you know what? What do you, what do you make of Khan now? After you know you've you've mm. we've both sort of challenged him, but I mean you, you challenge him on things, and and uh, obviously you know he's there now for you know another year. What's your impression? Well, I think two things about him. Honestly, I think Sadiq Khan cares primarily about Sadiq Khan, yeah. and uh, I think mm. he'll swing whichever way as mm. the wind blows in order to um, get votes from his audience, from his base. And so he's completely on board of all the sort of progressive agenda and so on. But that's the second thing. I think he is a committed to the progressive globalist agenda. So he's, he's again yesterday, he started to call for um, an extension to leaving the EU. He said that he, we, we want another 12-month extension mm. uh, because of COVID. And, you know, I also asked him yesterday about that. And I said, you know, it's absolutely wrong mm. to use COVID to try mm. and extend uh, staying in the EU, well, the, the mm. single market and customs union anymore. So he's definitely committed to that. He's committed to all of the green agenda as well and um, this, this is something that on a, on a ground level on a grassroots level it, people are up in arms about all mm. over London as well as other places in the country where they're putting in all of these pop-up bicycle lanes and road barriers everywhere to to sort of prevent people from driving their cars around because he keeps talking about walking and cycling walking and cycling now, I've got nothing against walking and cycling they're great but we want people to be able to do more mm -hmm. than just walk and cycle and yeah. people and individuals and businesses have got to be able to use their cars and vehicles to get around and carrying on doing businesses as normal so but this seems to be something that that is wider than just you know Sadiq Khan the Tory government are completely bought into this sort of green agenda um, and, and you, you, you have other people around uh, the world that, that are pushing it as well but it's not particularly green mm. <laughs> to be honest it's just I, I think that's a very good marketing name but it's, its effects are uh, quite um, 
destructive to to life, uh, everyday life for but people. Isn't it sort of like it's more? They call them, don't they? They used to call them watermelons. I mm. they were actually red. <laughs> they were sort of basically Marxist. And if, yeah. you, if you think of the Greens, mm. that we most, that they actually are to the left, actually of Labour, mm. really, aren't they? Pretty much, Pretty yeah. Much. I mean, they, they're, they're like Corbynites, basically. Yes, plus, yes. Corbynites plus, to be honest, yeah. 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 I mean, f- full-on Marxists. Yeah, I mean, yeah the, the original Greens, I suppose. I mean, people think of the, the Green. It's a brilliant marketing mm. name because mm. you look at it and you think, oh, this is about trees mm. uh, and so on. It's about looking after the countryside. But but they look at their policies and it's anything but. You know, yeah. they, well, they want to turn agricultural land into solar farms yeah. they want mass immigration um they're into every latest progressive ideology they want transgenderism taught in schools they want gender identity uh brought in which you know that's one thing that i i do think um the the tory government have got right after a lot of pressure mm. that they they've pulled back from introducing sort of gender identity um, self-identity self-identity that's it instantaneous self-identity at the moment you have to wait for two years but um and all these kind of things so so the greens the green party are all over any anything that that Mm. is uh the the, any of the the latest woke ideology the latest political correct fashion they'll jump all over it Mm. and um and uh, Sadiq Khan does, but I think the Greens do with, with even more fervour. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so, as well as all the, the climate alarmism, which again doesn't stack up in terms of science either. Yeah, so, while we're on City Hall, you, uh, you're going to be standing for the mayoralty next mm. year, aren't you? So, uh, now, and you've launched mm. a party called the Heritage Party. Yes. Um, so, right, so. W- I said, why did you decide to stand for mayor? It's sort of like, I know it's a stupid question, but but yeah, I mean, what do you think you can bring to it then? Well, you know, it's it's been good being on the assembly. I mean, mm. even though it's been tough <laughs> facing the sort of politically correct chamber whenever I go in there, um, you know, it's been wonderful to stand up for common sense, basically, yeah, yeah. and just to, to bring that. And I think it gives people hope that there is someone in there like who will stand up to the political correctness and mm. so on. So I, I want to carry on doing that if mm. I can do. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm standing not just for the mayor, but for the assembly um, All right, okay. as well. Yeah. Um, so having the heritage party will be very, very good for that because I can put a list together to stand in the London assembly elections as well as, you know, just being an independent and uh, then I can also stand uh, for the mayor of course for a party um, so, so this is so th- I should explain actually to people the way it works in the uh, London Assembly is that there's a list for we are both uh, what you call over London London-wide members, members London wide yeah. members mm. and then there are constituency members uh, it's different. so you would your so the Heritage Party would be standing for the list being the uh, mm. London wide yeah. is that right that's right. It's a proportional representation uh, yeah, system, yeah. which is unusual in this country, but you have it in London and yeah. Wales and Scotland as well. So mm. um, so to, to get onto the assembly, I think it's 5% you get mm. a seat mm. on the assembly on the proportional part. Uh, it's much harder to get uh, into being the mayor, obviously, yeah, because yeah. there's only one person can do it. Um, you know, my profile is 
going up uh, is being raised slowly and steadily so by the time we get to the elections in six months I hope you know (laughs) one or two million people have heard of me and not just that they'll like me and vote for me as well (laughs) please (laughs) that would be nice but you know if I don't get in as mayor I mean I really hope I can because I just want to bring common sense Mm -hmm. back to London and um, you know overturn all the crazy traffic measures and end the political correctness in the police force and just get them back on on target to do what they should do which is catching criminals i mean i want to do that but even if i don't get in as mayor i hope that i will still be able to get back on the assembly as well Mm. so then you know i can build up from there Mm. and um, have a go next time after and uh, we need someone to to carry on doing that because you know, I, as as much as I like some of the the GLA Tories, they they won't talk about the, the stuff that we talk about. I don't think it's marked, isn't mm. it? How mm. they don't. Uh, mm. Not only do they not talk really about, but also they tend not to lend their support. Mm. I found mm. as well. Don't they? they just stay away, don't they, mm. from certain topics? Yeah, I mean, we talk about a lot of the cultural yeah, issues. I yeah. mean, we we were asked like yesterday. I, I could ask them about the. The Shia Muslim marches. Mm. I asked them about the grooming gangs. Mm. You've asked them about grooming gangs mm. and so on as well before in, in different scenarios. Mm. And, um, which, you know, I think obviously this is happening in London. If it's happening in Manchester and Birmingham and Newcastle and Bristol, it's going to be happening in London. Mm. But but no one wants to talk about that yeah. apart from us. But, you know, some of them will come and say, oh, we, we, we love your questions, but won't yeah. say anything yeah. about it themselves because yeah. they're scared to death of being called a name you know they're yeah. scared to death of being called xenophobic or bigoted or whatever yeah. so um you know that, that's what a real conservative party should be doing they yeah. should be conservative yeah. but they're not you know i don't know what they are this is nebulous sort of jelly-like um <laughs> thing yeah. that doesn't actually you know have any kind of uh, solidity to it so, so the heritage party is basically a thoroughgoing conservative party Exactly. Is that, is that what you would say? It's what I want it to be. It's, it's set up as a socially conservative party. So it would be economically conservative, I guess, maybe not quite so neoliberal as, as the, the Tory party. I mean, I, I would say we, we believe in free markets, but we want fair markets as well. So we've got, we've got some economic policies. But it specifically is to be uh, a conservative party and socially conservative mm. as well. So we are standing for defending our heritage and culture, traditional family family values, uh, low immigration, uh, we're going to be pro-life, um, fair markets, as I say, free and fair markets, and um, self-sufficiency in skills and national sovereignty. So mm. all of those things, you can you can see our manifesto on, on, on the website, there's all these things there, headlines, and you can read a little bit more about those things. But, but those are all the positions that, you know, the Conservative Party would have maybe taken yeah. uh, 30 or 40 years ago, yeah, but, yeah. but now they've moved so far towards the progressive left, they don't represent uh, conservatism anymore. So mm. we need something to do that. And so that's why I've set up the Heritage Party, because there, there's a huge void mm. in politics for sort of the centre to mid-right, you know, socially yeah. conservative yeah. area. And there's no one representing that. But I think there's millions of people who are crying out for a party mm. like that. And, mm. and I want to represent um, people who just want to restore that kind of common sense conservatism to the country. Where does your where do your politics come from? In the mm. sense that when were you first 
mm. interested really in it. I mean, when mm. were, were you ever re- obviously we were both in UKIP, mm. you know, but, yeah. but 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 before that, mm. were you in the Conservative Party or were you in any party? I, I was in the Conservative Party twice actually. Yeah. I mean, as a student, I, I joined. Yeah. That was before UKIP existed. Yeah. Um, that was back in the times of, of Thatcher and, and when Thatcher you know, was was removed and major replaced us back then and then I, I left I wasn't you know I was in it as a student but I didn't stay stay in it as a, as a young man just uh, um, but then I I joined also again uh, 2009 um, 2009 in the last days of Blair and Brown mm. because it was so suffocating the atmosphere mm. of this 13 years of labor I just wanted to do something to help you know get get rid of them and get something else in you know and um, so I joined the Conservative Party then um, sort of to help Cameron get in um, but that it was a very quickly a very big disappointment I mean mm. he was basically the heir to Blair so I I left after a year I didn't stay in at all um, but then I joined UKIP after that mm. um, for two reasons because I was concerned about the direction the EU was going uh, and also I was very concerned about the political correctness mm. and UKIP seemed to be the only party that was, uh, was. Yeah, <laughs> represented yeah. both of those yeah. things yeah. so it just made you know absolute sense to join Mm. Mm. But uh, were you always interested in politics as a kid? I was, yeah. I was always yeah. interested in current affairs and politics mm. and so on, you know, and um, culture and, and how things are going. And, oh, you know, I'd, I'd hope that someday I, I would get involved in it. Um, but I spent most of my 20s and 30s um, being, a, being a teacher. So I, I You were a teacher all over the place, weren't you? I yeah. Mean, you, went, you were in New York, weren't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Two years in New York and yeah. uh, a couple of years in Bosnia, Herzegovina, yeah. two years in Botswana and a uh, year in Bermuda as well. So it's all <laughs> in lots of different places around the world. Were you at schools or colleges or what schools, was it? Schools, high, high schools. I mean, ma- mainly teaching A-level, mm. I'd mm. be diploma level chemistry. So mm. it, was, it was very nice to be, to be in international schools uh, in that circuit for a while. So, I mean, I, I, I've seen so much and learned so much about yeah. the world. So, I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic thing for me to have done that. Um, but then, yeah, I came back to... Uh, UK after then and um, you know got involved in politics and yeah. stood for the first time in 2015 elections oh um, we, we both did didn't yeah, we yeah right. yeah yeah but you yeah. stood in Eltham yeah. and I stood <laughs> in uh, Camberwell and Peckham yeah that's right against Harriet Harman yeah yeah that's, that's right. right yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you uh, you're not from London where, where are you from if I'm from West Sussex West so Sussex. I'm from a village near Bognor Regis that's where I grew up I grew up with my mum and uh, her two parents um not my dad. My dad's Jamaican, right. uh, but I never met him. So uh, he was one, you know, one of these, uh, one of these things. He was yeah. he left before I was born. So you know, I was brought up with my my mum, who was wonderful. Um, do, you know, she's a fantastic mum. Did everything mm-hmm. she could for me. Um, so that's where I was brought up. Um, I moved to London the first time. Uh, after university, I oh went right. to St Andrews University. I oh, right. uh, yeah, did yeah, chemistry yeah. there, yeah, and yeah. Uh, when I'd finished my degree, I came to London, uh, nineteen ninety three, for the first time. And I've been in and out ever since. Yes. I taught in schools around London, and uh, but as well as teaching abroad as well. So, yeah. um, but this has been my my base most of the time. So, you know, I, a Londoner, and I look at it and think, at the moment, it does look like it's at death's. Door. I mean, do do you think I'm being too pessimistic? No, not at all. We, there are some sectors that have been totally destroyed. Mm. 
from six months of them being closed, mm. theatres in the West mm. End. I mean, it's not just the theatres that, that are, uh, are affected. There, there's all the uh, other industries that, that rely on the theatres being open to survive, you know, other restaurants and bars and props companies and so on. Uh, you know, and there's, there's people that just aren't around, people mm. who would be coming to London um, doing what they do, you know, meeting each other, bringing life to the place, mm. uh, and, and they're just not coming. And that's the West End, and you've got the city, and you've got Canary Wharf. The offices are closed. People are working at home. Many of them are losing their jobs as well because you know, there's there's less for them to do. So uh, the city is is dead, and you mm. you know you wonder when's it going to come back mm. because. They're now talking about six more months of lockdown or lo on and off lockdowns, mm. a couple of weeks on, a couple of weeks off. Who knows how mm. it's going to go? And you know, I, I, I wonder if London's going to survive that. Mm. But I mean, it's not just London; it's other cities as well. I mean, mm. look what they've done to Liverpool. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's same there. Yeah. Um, so this is awful, yeah. and, and it's all unnecessary. Mm. It's it's a crime, I think. Are you going to be speaking at any of the up? coming round this is this mm. is uh, we're at the uh, nearly at the end mm. of october now is there, are there any other things planned in november say or do you mm. know where you might be speaking or? well um i'm not sure i'll be speaking in any more rallies in london yeah. like uh, because the, there were some rallies in trafalgar square where yeah. people were gathered specifically yeah. with the stage and so on i don't know if there's any more of those things planned mm. i mean they there's one on Saturday, which is March more. Yeah, so yeah. I don't think there's going to be people yeah. speaking there. But last weekend, I went to Berlin. And oh, right. uh, I spoke at the um, inaugural session of the World Doctors Alliance, uh, right. which was fantastic. So, and what I is that, David? What? Well, in London, uh, on the 26th of September at the March, there was a, a very, very well-renowned German doctor called Dr. Heiko Schoening. He spoke in Trafalgar Square. Yeah. And the police closed down the rally as he was speaking. Then a few people went up to Speaker's Corner later on. He spoke again there, and the police arrested him uh, and held him for, for you know, nearly a day. Uh, and he was released. But you know, he's, uh, he's the chair of the World Doctors Alliance, which is an alliance of doctors who are all using evidence to counter the mm. government mainstream media narratives on coronavirus. Mm. So they're looking at the facts, saying this is no worse than a bad flu season. We shouldn't be having all of these measures putting in place. And um, you know, they're setting up sort of, um, um, uh, I, I suppose, groups in, in, in various places. They had, a, they had a doctor from the Netherlands who spoke as well. I, I'm from uh, the UK and spoke there. So it, it was just a few people from different countries mm. coming together to, to talk about this. And so I think I might you know, do, do more things like that, oh, right, you know, yeah. with maybe indoors with, with a panel and yeah, so on yeah, to, yeah. to talk about this. But I mean, th this has gone viral on um, oh, really? social media. Right, okay. I think a lot of people have seen the, the, these yeah. videos that we put out from, yeah. from the weekend in Berlin. So, oh, um, so I'm, I may do more of that right. uh, in the future. We'll see how things go. <laughs> well, look, I mean, when it comes to the Heritage Party, mm. you mentioned that uh, we can put a link, obviously, under mm. the, uh, the interview that goes out. It's heritageparty.org. Dot dot org. Just heritageparty.org. 
and so people can go on there and what register support yeah you can sign yeah. up to get our newsletter uh, you can volunteer yeah. uh, and you can read our manifesto it's not open for membership yet because we've applied to the electoral commission uh, but we haven't got approval yet well, that takes so forever doesn't it? it's, it's yeah, taking yeah, a long yeah, time yeah, yeah. I'm hoping we'll get approval in yeah. November and when we do we'll open it up for membership and you can join and then we'll be setting up branches and so on okay. so that we can select right. candidates to stand uh, hopefully in local elections uh, come May. Of course, in May, this mm. is the thing. There's the outside chances or not that these might be postponed, do you think, or is that really going to happen? I'm starting to hear under yeah, the surface, people yeah. are starting to say, oh, the elections might be postponed again. Yeah. And I don't know, yeah. but, um, you know, I'm starting to hear that. So yeah. we've, we've really just got to play it by ear. You've got to be ready, haven't you? You would do, yeah, yes, yeah. Thank you very much, David, for coming in. Uh, it's lovely to speak to you. See you next week really in the nice chamber. To, yes, we'll do. <laughs> I know. It's a bit, a bit chummy, that, wasn't it? Anyway, uh, thanks, David. Um, we will see you again uh, next week. Thanks very much for watching. And please do remember, won't you, to subscribe. Thanks very much.